somebody the, snuck in and turned the microphones on? The problem with, is is that, as I understand it, because I didn't listen to the show, is that you remove you lose all context for what we're talking about. Yes, please tell them what the name of the song was that you yeah. were talking so, about. So it's Alice's Restaurant Massacre, or Alice's Restaurant, by Arlo Guthrie. There you go. Now... We got a bunch to get into tonight. I'm excited. Yeah, we we almost did the whole show just sitting here going over prep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kept we kept I kept you know it's a fine line between preparation and kind of blowing and wasting content. Yeah, kind of blowing it before the show gets started. It is a litmus test for me though. I know the shows where we do that before we launch into the show are always some of my favorite to record, and they right. fly by. Yeah, always a little better. Okay, so let me tell you about my cigar first, and then I'll tell you about yours. Right. Um, local rep brought this cigar by, and I was asked to try it to give my opinion on it. And it is the La Labella um, from the Black Star Line Cigars. And the uh, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler, says it's full strength and full body. And looking at it, I have no doubt about that. But I was actually going to smoke what you're smoking. But when he handed me this, I said, well, what better place? Because here's what would happen. I would smoke that, and then I wouldn't be able to give this an honest appraisal. Right. I need to get. I need to smoke this, because that's a lighter cigar. Well, so you want to tell them what when, you're smoking? Yeah, but when this came out, they touted this as the strongest cigar in their line. So this is the A.J. Fernandez Pinolero, and this particular one is the, so they, this came out in like 2012, or it, it's been out for a long time, but they recently, around 2019-ish or so, decided to re-release it, same blend, but as a an event exclusive in the Figurado shape, which I don't smoke a lot of Figurados. There's really, I mean, outside of Arturo Fuente, there's not a whole lot of Figurados on the market. But, um, yeah, so it's a Habano seed, uh, Nicaraguan filler, uh, Nicaraguan binder, and sun-grown wrapper. I've never had a cigar on the first puff curl my nose hair. (laughs) Did you try to smoke the lid in? Well, no, when they say full, it's full. Yeah. (laughs) No, but... Yeah, so here's what happened is AJ came and sponsored our poker game last week. Well, the rep. For- the rep, yeah. Yeah, AJ, AJ himself didn't show up. He sent one of his guys. But <laughs> one of his guys shows up to sponsor our poker game last week. Why are you turning the ashtray around? Because the the notches didn't match up, and it was oh, bothering okay. me. I was just look. Sorry, everybody. Trey stopped everything and took an ashtray apart and overhauled it. <laughs> well, well, now it, now I've got a place to rest my cigar. It would have been fine. I was listening. No one would have ever noticed. So AJ Fernandez sent one of his guys, one of his goons, uh, no. Jimmy Knuckles, <laughs> yeah, over to um, do the poker game last week. Really enjoyed it. Great guy. Poker game. Bill, the AJ, our local AJ rep. Bill's a great guy. And during the game, one of the, the what we do is as the as we blind up, they throw in a few cigars for the next hand, just kind of keep the game going. And yeah. he threw in that pack, and either my wife won it or the guy that won it gave it to my wife, one or the other. And she had those, and I smoked one. He had given me one earlier that night, and I smoked it. And I said, "Wow, that is a great cigar." It really is, and I'm just getting started. The draw is perfect. 
it's such a shame that you got to go to an event to get it. Yeah. Now, can you get it in other sizes without being an event, or so, is the... So, I looked it up, and it wasn't on this article I had up, but Half Wheel did an, did a, an article about the event-only release back in 2019, and so there's no official comment on further plans, but by late 2016, multiple, multiple retailers... Uh, have indicated that the line has been discontinued. So I believe this only exists as the event only, and you can't get the original anymore. Which kind of stinks. Cause it if does. Because if you really like it, you know your ability to get it is hindered. Especially since AJ, as a brand, doesn't do just a whole lot of events. Yeah. Which, speaking of the poker game, there's a new prime seat open at the poker table now. <laughs> so I want to talk about this tonight. We had a guy, one of the guys here, one of the group. Um, he's always had a little ego, but we've always loved him anyway. Okay. Tried to be, you know, patient and kind and everything like that. Well, he said something untoward to someone he shouldn't have and got called on it. Okay. Basically got called on it. He And here's the thing. It would have been so easy for him to say, hey, you know, I had too much to drink that night. I was a little deep in my cups. I just, or just be honest, I was trying to make a joke and didn't realize that it was stupid, that it would fall flat. Mea culpa. Yeah, mea culpa. And go to the offended party and apologize. Yeah. Would have been the easiest thing in the world. Could have solved the whole situation in a matter of two minutes. Instead, he sits on this couch and complains for 30 minutes to somebody how he's going to leave this shop forever because there's getting to be too much drama around here. (laughs) That's where the... Okay. And then when nobody was paying him any attention, he got up, stormed over, emptied out his locker, handed the key to the owner, and left. Um, If you think... Here's always my thing. If you think you're important to the cigar community, here's a little experiment you do. Go punch a pond of water and see how big a hole you leave. <laughs> that's how big a hole you'll leave in the community when you leave. Right. By and large. By and large. I mean, that's, a, and that's about the, the gist of it. That's how I view it. And I'm, I'm the you know, golden retriever of the cigar shop. Everybody knows me and all that. But I know that if I left, it would not be a, a tragedy. Yeah. I, I, I still go up to our old shop about once a week. And... I maybe maybe one person will ask about you, and and I know that I mean you were the mayor of that shop, and that, and that's not to say anything bad about you. I know that you won't no. take offense to that, but it, but the fact remains that over the course of what's been almost a year now that you've been gone, and the it's just kind of okay. Yeah, it'll be a year in January. Yeah, and all, and that's really what I think. I, I don't know what this guy was fishing for by sitting here bitching about it for 30 minutes. I don't know if he wanted us to say, oh, please don't go. Yeah. Or if he wanted us to say it's okay or... But to me, whether you... If someone feels that you've wronged them enough that other people are calling you on it. Yeah. You owe that person an apology regardless of what you did. Right. Yeah. And regardless said, of what your feelings are. And trying to play the martyr is not the way to go. Yeah. and But that does bring up an interesting question. When is it time to leave a cigar shop and for how long? When is it time to, you know, um, 
the evolution of me moving from the cigar shop we were at to this one. It's easy to, for everybody to say, oh, well, it's because it's closer to his house. And that is part of it. That is, but when this cigar shop was in other ownership and wasn't being ran well, I still went back to that one. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a valid, necessarily a valid description. I mean, I moved cigar shops because the ownership of this cigar shop, there's one always an owner here. Right. And they value the opinion. I help them with cigars. We, I'm more inter, intertwined with this shop and enjoy it more. And that's, that's why I moved cigar shops. Not necessarily anything bad that the other shop did, just neglect. Right. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever really uh, undergone some, that type of, of shift, really, w- without something happening. Although I will say when I was, th- there was a shop that I would go to fairly regularly when I first moved to town. And then I started going to a shop that was a little bit further away. And, and, and primarily that was just because of the lounge situation. It was just I needed a place where I could pop up my laptop and get some stuff done. And, and that particular shop just didn't have that. So it was, it was some features that I needed of the shop that it didn't possess. But I've never really had a, a scenario where I've just written off a shop. Yeah, it's one of those things where at a certain point, you, you're responsible for how you handle stuff. Right. You're responsible for your actions. And at a certain point, we're all going to do something stupid. What's, what's the old adage? You know, we don't control what happens to us in life. We, we control our response or something like that. And I just think it's a shame that at this gentleman's advanced age in life, he's not to the point he can do that. This isn't somebody I know, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. It's who I'm thinking of. Kind of talks. Oh, no, it, it was actually it was actually somebody who was here on renewed favor. Oh, no, no, no. He's he's been good as gold. Oh, OK. It, but that was my second choice. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. No, but um, it's funny. It's funny how one thing and it, it, you j- yep. jump right in your head exactly who it is. But I don't know. I just hope I don't never get to that age in life where I'm willing because he had a good thing here. He come watch football with us. Yep. He played poker with us. He fell. He was. He started with us at the old shop and and fell into to a pretty good rapport fairly quickly. So he's been around for a little bit. But, but let's not. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor that too much. But more. anyway, it's more interesting to me that is that you know um, in church you always talk about how do you leave well. Yeah, and it's. I don't. I don't think it's sacrilegious to compare a cigar shop to church, is it? No, I don't think so. Because they're both they're social, both communities of people. Yeah, social communities. And in church, you're inevitably going to have to leave a church for one reason or another. I, I think whenever you're talking about a, a, a part of your life that is primarily social in nature, but one where it's relationship driven, I think the best scenario, if you do decide it's time to either move on or step away, is the Irish goodbye. You know, the the joke on social media all the time is, I'm going to unfollow you, and everyone says, this is not an airport, no need to announce your departure. That's kind of how I feel about that sort of thing. It's just, just Irish goodbye it. If, if you need to move on from that church, unless something egregious happened that needs to be addressed, and I'm going to tell you that even if you think that's the case, it probably isn't, just stop going. And 
based on most of the churches that I've done that with, I can tell you no one's going to call you and ask you where you are. Well, I've, you know, I shared an office with my pastor for a long time, and the Irish goodbye drove him nuts when it came to church. Because it's like he said, I would like to know if I did something wrong. You know, if it's not the, and if it's something I can control, not necessarily to even get that person to come back, but just to know for the future. So I think in a church situation, now in a cigar situation, yeah, Irish could buy that thing. Let's make it simple. But in a church, I think you kind of owe it to the people in charge to say, hey, here's the deal. Your children's ministry's not up to par. My kid went to church. Because this is how, there's only two ways. No, there's a bunch of ways, but there's two main ways people leave a church. Either A, their kid goes to church with one of their friends from school and they have a better youth program and their kid says, hey, I want to start going to this church. And the parents say, okay, great. And at that point, go to the pastor, say, hey, this other church has a better youth program. It's better for the, where we are at this stage in life. Shake hands and leave, leave happy. Or there is a schism and it becomes two churches and you have to pick a side. I mean, those are, you know, you, you know my story with the church that we left a couple of years ago or, or, or withdrew from. And it's, you know, I don't think it was anything anybody could have done about it. It was a, it was a fundamental and somewhat theological difference. And, you know, the, the fact remains that I had been going to that church every single Sunday for, I think, three or four years at that point. And I hadn't I had said hi to the pastor a few times, but I'd never had a conversation with him. He never made that. I was I was on the roll. I was a member of the church. I was involved. I, I don't think I owe him a conversation of why I'm leaving when he didn't bother to even to make the effort to get to know a member of his con- congregation to begin with. I don't think you, quote, owe, but... I also think there's a good, there's a form, just leaving well. There's a good form to that. There's a good form to just when somebody not having to wonder why. Now, that person, if he called you and asked you, you would have probably answered him. I, I would have, absolutely. So it's not entirely, you don't have to hunt them down. Right. You don't have to hunt them down and say, here's why I'm leaving your blankety-blanking church. Or here's why I'm leaving your cigar shop. Right. But if asked, I think you owe them an honest answer. Hey, this is where I'm at in my life. You, what you brought didn't work out. Yeah, that, that's fine. So anyway, moving forward. Enough about that. Um, I got something caught in my throat. Trey, take over. All right. So token for one cigar from uh, BC Ghost Town sells for $610 more than a century later. So this is out of an old hotel from British Columbia, which is the province on the west coast of Canada, for those who aren't familiar with the geography. For those of following Canada. at home. Yep. It just that that seemed like something you might not know. Would you have known that British Columbia was where Vancouver on the west coast of Canada? No. Nah. Okay. So that was as much for your When I hear ghost town, I think out west. Yeah. Well I don't I don't really think of Canadian ghost towns. Well, there, I mean, there were, but yeah, I yeah. mean, there's ghost towns here in Tennessee. I've got a book about them, but the, <laughs> I've never, but when I think of ghost town, I think of somewhere out West that was a gold rush town right. that got tapped out. That's what I think of when yeah. I think of ghost town. Somewhere in Utah, Nevada, whatever. So it was a small token marked Hotel Rico, Sandon, BC on the front and good for one cigar on the back. And it, the pictures don't give great. Uh, context for scale, but I'm going to guess it's about the size of a penny. Would you say that's about right? Yeah. Yeah, something between a penny and a nickel. 
And I just, I, I, I would be really curious to know what the value of this would have been at the time. Maybe a nickel or a dime? Yeah, probably something like that. So first, I get, why would they give you a token for a cigar? Because we were talking about this before the show. And we were talking about this in terms of a cryptocurrency. Because it's not a recognized currency, but it still has value to be exchanged. Well, it's a hotel, right? And so hotels often and have always offered various amenities to high rollers or to prestigious guests. And it could very well be that you would check in. And if you happen to be a guest of high regard, that this was something that the front office could present to you so that when you go down to the bar downstairs, you hand it to the bartender, he opens up, and it's just without giving you a cigar, not knowing what your preference is, it's a way for have a cigar on the house and of your choice. Right. It's also a nice little trinket. Yeah, I guess that I guess that's more what it would be valuable for to me is just as a trinket. Yeah. Now, does it just me or does something over a hundred year old fetching six hundred dollars? Does that seem a little cheap? Well, you know, we've talked about it. I don't know if we've talked about it off the show or on the show, but you know, just because something's old doesn't make it valuable. You know, not not everything that's old is an antique. Okay. You know, so I think because I mean, you've got to think this is it has no cash value, has no nominal value, it has no function. It's the product of an era that is long since passed over a hundred years ago and and the hotel is long since gone. So it's it you're paying six hundred dollars for a conversation starter, a, a chip marker or a right. card marker at the poker table. So is this the original cryptocurrency? Is this how I should think of cryptocurrency? Well, I, I think possibly. And, and here's why I say that. The, you know, what it makes me think of is, you know, we've, we've learned over the past probably five or so years, there's been a number of articles pop up about these really stupid art pieces that go for insane amounts of money. And it's now become somewhat more common, commonly understood that fine art is used as a money laundering scheme. Right. Yachts, fine art, yeah, lots of things like that. And so it could very well be that certain types of antique auctions could be being held for the same purpose. And in which case that you know, a lot of a lot of the benefit of cryptocurrency is not necessarily money laundering, but it's it's a way to transfer assets without Uncle Sam necessarily being aware of it. But when you spend the money, don't... I mean, I don't know. When you cash it in, he's obviously going to know about it. Right. When you spend the money, that's going to throw up a flag if you're audited. So how, how much are you really getting away with here? But let's say, you know, but if you're, if you're... It's a way for you to put $600... Let's say you're the owner of the coin. That's where the, the laundering comes in. And maybe you got it through some nefarious means or maybe you bought it with dirty money. And so whoever puts up the $600 for it, you're now getting, because there's a transaction history and it's legit, now that $600 you have free and clear. So it's, it's the person who sells the item that is the recipient or the beneficiary of the laundering. Um, but what this reminded me of, to your point about cryptocurrency, 
you know, I was thinking about it, and I really think that poker chips, casino chips, were the original cryptocurrency. You know, back in the days when the mob ran Vegas, you know, every, and it's somewhat to, to the same extent now, you know, every casino had their their specific chips, and depending, some would have spe- specific uh, designs based on what game you were playing. One would be a roulette chip, one would be a right. poker chip, that sort of thing. They were incredibly hard to duplicate or reproduce or counterfeit. They had a nominal value. They were infinitely transferable without question. I mean, they they held a lot of the same, and they weren't taxable. Like, the actual chip itself wasn't. See, I always thought that we used poker chips because if, you know, Joe Sixpack was pulling 20s off of a stack and throwing them on the table, he would quit gambling a lot quicker than if he's throwing a chip on there. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm not suggesting that the poker chip was designed to be a sort of... But that is interesting. You're tying to the mob, I think, is the secret to that statement because I do think you're right. It did become a way to easily launder money. Yeah, because all you need is a patsy to... Because you go in with dirty money mm-hmm. and, you ma- and you change in 20000 in in chips... And you give it to somebody else to go cash in at the at the cage. Now, his social is going to get flagged with the IRS for that money, but you're not. Right. So, and you know, even if you cashed them in in a small enough quantity, you you know, under six hundred dollars, you're probably not going to get socialed anyway. Yeah, and you know, and talking back in the fifties to seventies, that sort of thing didn't really happen anyway. So it would have been even more more of a, a viable solution at that point. Well, that makes sense. I, I think that's interesting. I thought that was an interesting tangentially related to cigars, but let's take a break because when we get back, we got two articles that kind of lead together, and I know one of them is going to get you fired up, and I can't hardly wait. Yeah, I really don't want to talk about this, but I will for you. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you're making a sacrifice on my behalf. We'll be right back. Back to the cigar cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who was vaccinated with a phonograph needle, Mr. Trey Deadman. That sounds painful. It means you talk a lot. It's, yeah. see, that's the, yeah. the implication there. <laughs> no, I, no one has ever accused me of that, by the way. Certainly not sitting next to you. That that is true. By by comparison, you're probably a lot quieter. You probably speak more words on the podcast in the cigar shop and a night than you do in a week usually, don't you? That, well, uh, yeah, probably. I, you know, the thing is, especially, it, it's funny because, you know, on on the show, it's just the two of us, sometimes three, and, and there's a certain responsibility to keep the conversation going. We've, we've got a job to do here. But especially on nights where we're here and you are the golden retriever of the shop, and typically we'll end up, if not just the two of us after the show, then sitting with somebody who knows you a lot more than they do me. And in the case of last weekend's a perfect example, somebody who just enjoys hearing themselves talk so much that there's not <laughs> often... I'm, I would much rather be an observer 
I just I enjoy watching the way pe- people interact and things like that. That I'll speak up if I feel I have value to add, but I don't feel the need to talk just for the sake of. I, I'm comfortable sitting in silence, and most people aren't. Very interesting. So, what, tell me about your pinolero. <laughs> I, I was expecting a different second syllable. So, <laughs> How's your pinolero, Trey? <laughs> you know, it's really good. Um, and the cigar? It's uh, <laughs> oh, in that case, it's great. The I'm really enjoying the fact that it's. It reminds me a lot of the AJ we smoked on the show two weeks ago. In that. It doesn't have that AJ punch kick you in the face spice, but you definitely taste the the AJ ness of the cigar. It's interesting because it catches both ends of the spectrum. We kind of go from one of his early works when he was kind of finding his voice in tobacco, being that Pinalero. Yeah. To his newest work, where he's now gone back to. Yeah. Okay, I got known for the the kick you in the teeth cigar. Now I'm going to go back and show you I can still blend a great cigar. It's very well balanced. Construction is good. I do have a slight split developing, but you know I'm really interested to see what this does once I get to the point where I have to take the band off. And I'm about 10 minutes or so from that point. Okay, so when you get a little three-pack like this, yeah, and it's wrapped in cellophane, and you stick it in your humidor, should you take the cellophane off of it? Uh, that is dealer's choice. You know, uh, there are a lot of people who have very strong opinions on the matter. And I will say, if your intention with a cigar is to age it in a relatively stable in-home humidor, then I think you do get benefit from taking it out of the cellophane, provided you've got reliable humidification and you're not going to be jostling it, handling it, and moving it around a lot. But you also need to... So part of the reason for the cellophane is to prevent a mixing of flavors. You know, I've never encountered that. And I've aged tons of cigars right side by side without cellophane. And I've never encountered a... But how would you know if you had? Because the flavor changes as it ages. Well, because there have been a handful... So the most common cigar in my humidor that I put age on is the Padron 26. And I will often buy one of those, sit on it for a year or two, and often in rotation. So I'll have one. And so I, I've i gotten to a point where I recognize the flavor of that cigar after a year or two years. And so I think I would recognize if it had strayed from that expectation. Why would you age a Padron? They're perfect right out of the box. They They are. And I will admit, they don't change much with age, but they do change with age. The reason I sit on Padrones is because that's the cigar that I like to buy when I'm holding a cigar back for a particular special occasion. So, for example, when I got married, you know, I bought, or, no, we were, we were gifted to share out of that box of Padron, and, and he gave me an extra one to, mm-hmm. to set aside and brought that same box to the wedding itself. And so I had a couple of those back. And so I specifically chose that cigar because of the the nature of how I received it. And I held it for my first anniversary. And that's understandable. That's, that's not, 
that's not aging a cigar so much as saving a cigar. Yeah. Sentimentality less than function. But the majority of the time that I age cigars, that's the purpose of it. Because because ultimately, I'm a cheapskate. And if I've got cigars in my humidor, by and large, I'm not going to buy a cigar at the shop. Well... I think it, I'm going to I'm going through my humidor now kind of looking at what boxes I've had sitting in there for you know a year or two and I'm interested to see how those you know I talked about it last week on the show I've got a box of Yellow Rosa Texas that I've had for probably 3 years. Yeah. We need to smoke one of those. I need to break those out and smoke one of those and see if it has changed any. I bet it will have. That was a cigar that that definitely had a punch when it first came out. But moving on, let's right. talk about the In Weekend article from, who's this guy? Joe Jenkins. Sounds like a made-up name. Cigar smoke has the power to ruin my night. You know I what? I feel powerful. I'm going to defend him. It probably does. If you care so much about stuff that really shouldn't bother you, it probably would ruin your night. <laughs> And it, it's time restaurants put diners first, not smokers. Okay. There has been a smoking ban indoors <laughs> in every state in this country for a minimum. I think Kentucky was the last one to pass it, and they did it in 2009. So it's been over a decade. So I love that this guy, when he tells his story, I'm at a restaurant in Dubai. Right. And and the guy next to me lights up a cigar. And he calls the manager over. The manager says, there ain't nothing I can do about it because you're in Dubai. Well, can we also, talk, you know, we were talking uh, about, you know, the old mob era Vegas. I'm going to treat my experience in Dubai much like I would if I were in Vegas in 1971. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. Yeah, that's Do you know like how a... easily you could freaking disappear? Yeah. They both have a desert really handy to Re- bury you yes. in. <laughs> it is interesting. I didn't think about it from that angle. <laughs> but so this guy, he goes on this, this verbal rant about how he used to smoke cigars. And he regrets that when he interviewed some bigwig, uh, Lou Grade, who died in 1998, um, he regrets that he didn't take a cigar from him. Okay, if you're going to interview somebody, who, you know, it'd be like sitting down with Winston Churchill and him offering you a cigar, and you say, no, I'll pass. Yeah, you just don't do it. So, going back, so basically the whole thing is that he couldn't enjoy his meal because somebody was smoking a cigar next to him. You know what? I... I I mentioned that there's an indoor smoking ban in the U.S. You know, so obviously this isn't taking place here, and, and I get it. But the, the point is, there are far more places in the world at this point where the environment is conducive to non-smokers over smokers. So this inconvenience that this guy suffered is minimal in the pantheon of experiences dining out. The bad thing is, articles like this make people think that this is an issue. Right. Because that because that's the thing. You had to have known, and I'm guessing that the nationalnews.com, who he wrote this article for, are probably the ones who paid for his trip to Dubai in the first place. So maybe chill. It's not like you were footing the bill at this fancy restaurant. But also, I guarantee you there was literature or there was a notice somewhere that made it clear that this was a possibility. Well, it's, it's up to you to do your research going in. If we go to Dubai yeah. and I blindfold you 
and I walk you into 20 restaurants, I would bet you're, you could tell me which one's allowed smoking and not by smell pretty darn quick. Right. I think you could pretty well walk into any restaurant using only your nose and tell, hey, I might encounter somebody smoking a cigar in this place. You know, my mom used to pull this shit. I'm going to pull the... I'm going to have a little therapy right here. So, back in the 90s when smoking was allowed in restaurants and you had a smoking section and a non-smoking section, most of the time separated only by three feet or whatever the... The ADA minimum distance between tables were. This imaginary boundary. Yeah. And, but occasionally you're out and it's, uh, you know, Saturday night or whatever. And there's, you know, do you want smoking, non-smoking or first available? And it's, you know, they had three kids. It was late. We were hungry. And just my mom would, my mom who vehemently hated smoking. She was that, that woman that would be, (laughs) and the table next to you. And... I remember very specifically a couple of times where it was like, you know, no one's smoking, no one's sitting in the smoking section right now. Like, we can put you guys over there. You'll be fine. And and just in the interest of getting in quickly, they'd say, you know what? Fine. But then inevitably, they would sit a table who requested to sit in the smoking section right next to us shortly thereafter. Sure. And my mom would be the one to, to complain or to, or to pull the little <laughs> looking at the person who is smoking in their designated section. Like... It, obviously, I didn't notice at the time, but looking back on them, I'm going, that's on you. You willfully entered into the scenario where that was a possibility. Yes. So this guy obviously walks into a lounge, into a restaurant, and there's no way he couldn't know that the smoking was going to go on. I bet he just bought property next to LaGuardia and calls and complains about the noise, too. And then this guy goes a step further to complain about sitting outside next to a swimming pool well, and somebody smoking outside. And this is a little bit of nuance, but you know I'm a, a stickler for the w- word choices that people make. And he says the next morning I was sitting by the family pool. So he, he's, he's really already trying to set the page that this guy was just an absolute cretin sitting out smoking around children and infants and puppies. And... Another guest came and sat just a few sunbeds away from me. Not right next to him. Right, not in his lap. Not in his lap. A few sunbeds away. So you're outside. He wasn't encroaching on your personal space, although you seem to think he was. You know, despite the fact that there was plenty of space for him to stretch out elsewhere. You're pasty white like I am. When you go to a pool, is your focus on what deck chair you chose choose most based on how many people are around or on the shade or other amenities available? Oh, other amenities. Yeah, which I guarantee you is what this guy did. He probably, it was either close to the bar, close to the pool, close to the restrooms, but didn't want to invade this guy's space. The cigar smoker in this case, not knowing what actually transpired other than this guy's story, I'm going to say did the right thing. And there's been a now to to play devil's advocate. There's been a number of times in my life when I've been on a tropical resort and sitting on the beach, and hey, it's time to have a cigar. Now I pick the chairs far away from everybody. Yeah, I do too. Because at that point, if they come and sit down next to me at that, that's on them. Right. But I won't go sit down right beside the family of six, and if it's crowded. And there's not a place off to it's to myself I can go smoke. I just don't smoke. Yeah. Or 
if, if it's if it's a situation where this where the you know the setting is just otherwise perfect, I I don't have any problem turning to the table and say, hey, do you guys mind? You know, can can Granny turn off her oxygen tank for just a second while I light this up? You know. I, well, it's a, it, one. I don't want to smoke next to a table of screaming children anyway. Right. <laughs> Let alone. Have you ever had that happen where the kid walks up to you and stares at your cigar? No, I I purposefully don't smoke around kids. Why? I've you know I've got a buddy who's that way. He's I never want to, my children to see me smoke a cigar. It's it's not that I don't mind if my children see me smoke cigars or anything like that. You know my my daughter is. 14. She she knows full well that I smoke cigars and she's been around me a few times. Now that she's a bit older, it's more it kind of goes to our point. I'm not going to go sit next to a captive audience and force them to endure me smoking a cigar before your kids are of a certain age, before any kids are a certain age. They have a certain obligation to be near. You know, and so until a kid has the ability to remove themselves from a situation, I'm not going to put them in a discomforting situation. Well, yeah, I wouldn't roll up the windows on the station wagon and burn Marlboros for, but, you know, six hours. But if we're, you know, <laughs> if if we're doing, an, uh, like, if we're out on vacation, like with my family, I'm the only one who smokes cigars with regularity. My dad will occasionally, my brother will occasionally if his wife's not there, and, you know, because otherwise she won't let him. You know, but I'll wait till the kids go to sleep, even if they can, you know, be in and out or whatever. It's just I don't know. It feels like a courtesy thing to me. I'd, I can I'd, see it, but if I have a if if there's if I'm at a family event and all the kids are off over here doing their own thing, yeah, and I want to have a cigar, I have no trouble with the kids seeing me holding a cigar. No, if they're if they're far enough away and they're not like right underfoot, that sort of thing, it. You know, it's just, it also comes from the fact that I don't want to be, you know my personality well enough to know that I'm always thinking of others' comfort level ahead of my own. You know, I'm always worried about how I'm being perceived. To, to my detriment, I realize it's a character flaw. Almost to a fault. Yeah. And, but I don't want to be in a position where I can't enjoy my cigar because I'm thinking about making sure that my niece or nephew is not being bothered by the smoke. <laughs> Yeah, but I think for a lot of people, it's not the bothered by the smoke. It's the, what will Junior think of me if he sees me smoking a yeah, cigar? See, or I don't care about Will that. Junior rush out and purchase a cigar so he can look like Uncle Shane? Although, I will say it's funny, the propaganda that they are feeding kids. To, I, I've had several conversations with my daughter, because I've always been up front with my daughter about, you know, what are you doing? This is a cigar I'm smoking, etc. And they hit. They start hitting kids in school with the anti-smoking stuff early. And oh yeah. As well, they should. Like I, you know, it's it's important for kids to know that smoking isn't cool, even though it is. And <laughs> let's face it, it is. It is. Let's face and, it. And, but we don't want our kids to know that until they're of a proper age to make that decision for themselves. But they they make it out like anybody in their family or in their circles that is 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 a junkie. Right. My my daughter came home from school in tears a couple of times and she even went up to the teacher, "Well, what about cigars?" You know, obviously trying to trying to compartmentalize or rationalize you just said that all smokers are terrible people, but my dad smokes. You know, and of course the teachers are no help. Yep, that's bad too. And Yeah, you ought to get him to quit that. Yeah, it's just it's it's ridiculous. I I I on the one hand, I get it, but they're just, they're so draconian with it. It's wild. So, moving forward from news wires, 
this report is luxury cigar market to witness growth acceleration 2023 to 2031. Now, this is a I think this is a convenience store. It is. industry type magazine. We've we've seen articles from this company before and they're basically yeah, it's it's a market research thing and I don't know that I necessarily believe this just in the fact that they don't really mention any any real specifics behind their analysis. You know, they talk about machine versus handmade or they that both product types are in this analysis and they talk about top key players being Godfrey Phillips. I don't even know who that is. So, let's talk about You've smoked cigars longer than I have. Yeah. How has the industry changed in your span of cigar smoking? Is it still basically the same, or has it changed? What's what's been the what have you noticed? I'm interested to know. God, I just realized that I'm coming up on 19 years. Yeah, you're old. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to remind me. <laughs> I went to the gym today. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> um. This so. The way the industry works is probably the biggest thing. You know, I remember back when you'd go to a cigar event and the rep would put a cigar in your hand. Right. You got one for free just for showing up. For showing up. Did Had that gone away by the time you started? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. And, you know, it used to be a lot more communal and it it didn't feel like a business. You know, now you really feel the business side first, I feel like. Um, and I, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I don't want that to, to come across as I'm upset I don't get free cigars anymore. But the the way the reps interacted, and the, the FDA is largely responsible for this because now the reps can't hand cigars out to individuals in the shop right. anymore. Um, and it's really taken the consumer out of the the envelope in which the actual industry operates. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of a 30,000 feet up view. Yeah. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, just since I began smoking cigars probably 12, 15 years ago, probably somewhere in there, 10, over 10, under 15, I'll say. Um the cigar community has become very, very diverse. And you see less of the the cliquish cigar lounges. You do. You know, and I think that's a great, a great point. You definitely have the neighborhoods that have their pocket shops that really cater to the people who live in the area. I'm thinking of Nashville Cigar being an example of that. I'm thinking of Big Love being an example of that. And you have people everywhere in between. There's also, you know, so I started smoking cigars in 2004. And, you know, in that amount of time, so that was right at the tail end of the cigar boom of the 90s that people still talk about it. And, and what was great about that, that huge expansion in the popularity of cigars was that it allowed the boutique side of things to start to emerge. You know, it was no longer just Macanudo and Cohiba and Dutch Masters. You know, that used to be pretty much it. And then you had 
these small guys like Don Tomas, E.P. Carrillo, although not as his own brand yet, Don Pepin Garcia came up around that time. You know, these were people that had worked for the major beneficiary or major manufacturers and became the beneficiaries of that popularity to be able to start go out on their own. So I think we owe the boutique movement to the cigar boom of the 90s, even though we didn't see it until some years later. Well, I always judge a guy if he says, well, I went in that cigar shop and I didn't feel welcome. I have never went in a cigar shop that I did not feel welcome. I've never been in one, you know, I've been, um, you know, I've been in shops that the demographic was obviously not me. Right. But the people there went out of their way to make me feel welcome. You know, um, Big Loves is a yeah. great example. Big Loves is, the demographic of Big Loves is not necessarily me, but when I, every time I've ever been in there, they have been nothing but wonderful to me. They've been great people. I love talking to them. I love going up there. And I always worry about the guy that says, it always says something to me about the guy that says, oh, I went into that shop and I didn't feel like I should have been there. I'm like, eh, what's wrong with you? If you wake up in the morning and the first guy you meet is an asshole, that guy's an asshole. If you go through the day and everyone you meet is an asshole, you're the asshole. True. And that's exactly how I feel about it. Or maybe they have some unconscious biases that are feeding into depending on the type of shop they're talking about in that, in that case. I guess so. I've just never, I've never been in a cigar lounge that I didn't feel welcome. And I've never had anybody come into the cigar lounge that I didn't, you know, try to make feel welcome. I've been in cigar shops where I didn't feel welcome, but it wasn't because of the people. It was usually due to ownership or management. I've had plenty of employees or owners that made me feel like I was not welcome. I've even been kicked out of a shop and you know that story. Um, simply because of who I worked for at the time. Well, I just, I don't know. It amazes me. I will say, it seems to me the cigar shop is the one place you go where everybody is on an equal footing. Everybody can have a cigar. Yeah. And everybody sits and enjoys that, and it's a wide, varied group. And I wonder if it's always been that way, or, you know, I argue, I had this argument Saturday I was having this conversation earlier this week that I feel like we're less of all of the things that people try to use to separate us than we've ever been. All of the racism, all of the hate, all of the anger, all of that stuff, I feel like is being propagated by the people that profit from it far more than it is actually existing. You and I vehemently disagree on this topic, so I'm not, I'm not going to engage that because it's not what we're here for. I'm, and that's not me saying you're wrong. It's just saying I don't, I don't want to get into that aspect because I do think, by and large, on the face of it, you're right. But I think there's more to the, to the discussion than that. But what I do think is a lot of people probably misconstrue or misinterpret a lounge not having a vibe that you get on with for being unwelcoming. You know, there are... A number of shops. There are 30 plus shops I can choose from in the greater Nashville area. Some of those I'm going to feel more comfortable in than others. That doesn't mean the others are unwelcoming. It just means I've got a particular kind of vibe I'm looking for, and I'm going to seek out the ones that match that. So, to, and it's interesting, we've come full circle from where we started the show to where we're wrapping the show up. 
yes, some cigar shops are not going to be your thing. Yeah. But don't have to tell everybody about it. You can just leave. Yeah, exactly. Just don't show up. If you don't <laughs> feel welcome somewhere, it's... It's not the fault of the shop. Right. It, it's just... And, it, and it's fine. There are plenty of places I don't feel welcome. Just just move on. Yeah. Just make life easy. Don't make life harder than it has to be. Okay, so let me tell you about this cigar. This La Labella um, Black, Star, Black Star Cigars. It's just a straight one-note cord, strong for the sake of strong, not a lot of depth, not a lot of profile. I mean, this is a, a three or a four to me. Okay. This is not a cigar that if it was in the humidor, I would ever pick up again because it's just kind of there. I just... I don't know. I don't. I know. I've had so many better full-bodied cigars than this. I can't find a place in my palate for this cigar to fit. Do you remember the old Omar Ortez brand? I don't. I don't think I've ever smoked one. Okay, then then that's a dead end. We won't go there. So my Pinalero. This is a five and a half. This is very good, and I. You know, it was funny because when you pulled it out, I didn't recognize the band. So I, when I looked it up, I saw the original band. I go, oh, I remember this cigar. I don't remember it being this good. It's an excellent cigar. It's a I mean, if, if AJ's having an event and you can lay your hands on them, get them. Absolutely. Because they are, it's well worth, If it, even if you've got to buy a box. And that's not a, the thing about AJ, it's not a tragedy that you have to buy a box of AJ. Because whatever he makes is going to be good. Yeah, there's definitely something that fits your palate. And and it's not going to break the bank. Right. It's going to be well-priced. It's not going to break the bank. And if you can get the Pinalero out of it, absolutely do. Well, how do they get hold of us, Trey? You can rage us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast, Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast, and email info at thecigarcast.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.